As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yo. Technology. What is it all about? And the reality is it's that, you know, senior citizen who wants to get off of opioids and can't wait to go in there. The regulations make it as uncomfortable for her to be able to drive yeah. down, park an industrial area. And walk past a bouncer. Yeah, and walk past a bouncer, exactly. And into a dark room and to be able to ask and, and, and say, hey, yeah. I have arthritis. Hey, Sonny, what's this Z cube? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds the top people in tech. I am your host, Danny Fortson. If you are new to this show, welcome. It's the only place where you can hear it straight from Bill Gates, Sir Richard Branson, and lots of other fascinating and inspiring characters from all over the startup landscape. And this week is no exception. On the program, we are talking about weed with Dennis O'Malley, who is the head of Kaliva, which is one of the better-funded private weed companies around. And we met at our office last week in downtown San Francisco. Hello. Danny, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good, good to see you. Yeah, you as well. So what is interesting about Kaliva, like all cannabis businesses, is that it's illegal in the eyes of the federal government. Obviously, legal in California. But those rules mean that he can't advertise online. He can't accept credit cards. He can't send his stuff through the post. And yet, he has managed to raise $75 million from the likes of Joe Montana, childhood hero of mine, Ryan Graves, one of the Uber founders, and uh, last year, Jay-Z, signed up as the company's brand strategist. So I was intrigued just to know how all of this comes together. How do you raise money for an illegal business? How do you run it on a day-to-day? And the result I think you'll find is a really illuminating, fun conversation about this brave new world and why, according to O'Malley, this is the year, 2020, that for many of the hundreds of companies that have barged into this industry, it will all come crashing down. Okay, no more spoilers. So without further ado, I give you Dennis O'Malley. Enjoy. Can we go backwards? You don't strike me as a, and perhaps I'm wildly off base, but like a, like a dyed in the wool stoner from back in the day. I was on your LinkedIn, various corporate jobs, startups, etc. How did you end up doing this? It was all serendipity. <laughs> Never did I think in a in a career aspiration that I'd have the the fortune to lead 
one of the best you know, cannabis brands in the, in the United States. But the, the original founder of Kaliva had uh, built something that was on the verge of greatness, and he'd asked me to come in and help him out. I'd sold a software company. Uh, Enterprise software. Before. Enterprise software, correct. So, so about as like buttoned up as possible. Yeah, buttoned up as possible, except that our clients were GoPro and Red Bull and, and Nike and, and Adidas. And it was, you know, that, that enterprise software was all about word of mouth marketing. And okay. our, our mission there was to allow real people to be front and center of brands and to get away from this artificial models and everything else. And so right. we, we sold that in 2016. And then around that time, that's when the, the original founder, Khalif, asked me to come in and, and start working with the team. And, and how did you know the founder? I've known him for 25 years, first job oh, wow. out of college. Uh, so I knew him. So it's, uh, he was best friends with my college football coach. And okay. he knew at the time I was graduating college that I didn't have a job. And, and my, uh, my football coach said, hey, I got somebody who's starting a business. And he started up uh, at that time a, a successful printing company that's one of the largest on-demand printing companies in the U.S. called BR Printers. And he went on to do a whole bunch of different uh, businesses. And this was, this was one of them. What position did you play? Uh, outside linebacker. Ooh. Yeah, it was, it was fun. We had a, we had a, good, we had a good team. Oh, you went to Santa Clara. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. okay. We had a good, good team of guys. Our re- record wasn't that great. Right, right. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're also responsible for also killing the football program, though. So we're last last right. fo- last football program uh, there ever too. So uh, that's right. I, right, 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 right. I went to UC Santa Barbara, and we also didn't have a football program. So yeah, exactly. I understand. We were hundred uh, spirits then. <laughs> And so you joined in 2016. Right at the end of 2016, I started helping out. I officially joined at the start of 2017. What's been really interesting looking at the weed market is there's been a whole bunch of money that's kind of rushed in here and in Canada trying to be like, okay, it's now it's it's being legalized. This is going to be the next big cash crop, the next big industry. And it feels like a lot of that money has kind of there's been a lot of money put in, but then there's a kind of a trickle coming out the other side in terms of product and big businesses and profits, etc. Yeah, you're 100% right. There's been there's been way too much hype, and and a lot of the hype certainly is head, media headlines where that translates to people around what is this green rush, and when we first started, when I first started at at Cleve in 2017. In my, my first week here, I was, I was, you know, I had a travel pro of uh, five pounds of, you know, cannabis rolling that down the tenderloin into, you know, dispensaries, n- knocking on doors to see if the buyers w- want to actually buy the weed. And they, you go down to their basement, you open a pound of weed up, they, you know, they try it on site and it was, it was the wild west. Right. So what had happened is, uh, you know, um, I think a lot of real estate investors got into the space. A lot of real estate. Oh, for like the agri- buying fields. Yeah, right. right. It was. It was. I, I use the. Um, I use the analogy back in uh, you know the early '90s. Corgan, the, the CEO of LSI Logic, pounded the table and said, "Hey, real real men have fabs." Back in the semiconductor end of things, and then, sure enough, about ten years later, the real companies actually were fabless. Right. But it, it was it was almost the same same type of notion where hey hey I real cannabis companies own hardcore assets and, and cultivation and and there was an over indexing in terms of investment in in those really capital intensive assets. 
Uh, and what you saw was a lot of financiers get into the cannabis space. A lot of, let's say, traditional cannabis operators get into the, into the space. But there hasn't been, I'd say, traditional marketers, product managers, mm. supply chain experts who have uh, you know, really dug into the space to be able to produce what you would say is, is more than a trickle of, of products. And, and certainly, while Kaleev has made a, a ton of different missteps and, and we've, you know, are humbled every day by, by an organic plant and how to bring that to life, we've done a pretty good job of, of trying to become certainly one of the leading consumer brands out there in cannabis. But isn't the big, I would say maybe it's the biggest challenge is just the regulation, right? Because if, you, if I go into a dispensary today, so there's something like 600 dispensaries around California now. Right. My, based on my Six, 600 legal ones. Six, exactly. We'll get to that. But if I go in there and say, okay, I want X, Y, and Z, I can't actually use a credit card. You can't legally use a credit card. Uh, I'm sure a number of different storefronts, which it's very difficult for a consumer to know if it's actually licensed or not licensed. Mm. But I can tell you, if you're using a credit card at a dispensary, that's not a completely transparent legal transaction because what you're likely going to get on your credit card statement is a the the, the flower shop or you know you, you you purchased you know some type of berries. So um, the, <laughs> the merchant processing systems for things like you know Visa and Mastercard don't support a federally illegal business. So that's what's really interesting, and just for especially people overseas, I mean you know you, the federal government still deems your products illegal. Correct. California has legalized them. Yes. But the banking system is federally regulated. Correct. So how do you exist? How do you build a business? Yeah, there's, there's, two, there's two parts to it. One part is just the, the corporate structuring and the corporate banking. And there's been a lot of progress around that. And, there's, and we have very transparent banking relationships because of our, the amount of compliance that you go to. And it's not easy. There's a number of different reporting systems that you have to use. And it, it, the paperwork and the administration burden to be able to prove and show that you're 100% compliant yeah. um, is pretty arduous. Um, but we've been, we always said that we were going to operate with higher standards from, from day one. But I think the real impact and what we focus on a lot is just what the consumer experience is. So if, if we back up to say, you know, the challenges in the cannabis industry today, you know, the cannabis industry on the supply side is almost imploding. We look at it as a 2007 type of mortgage crisis almost. Where oh, really? Why? Simply because that there's a lack of capital for most of these cannabis companies. So there's, they had initial capital, but growth- It's all e- running dry. Yeah, it's all running dry. And it's, there's a lack of growth equity capital for these cannabis companies. Um, there's not a a liquidity event for these companies, so they're you know going RTO in Canada has is no longer an option. Uh, you know, a re- reverse takeover is the way to on, this, right. on the Canadian stock exchange is a way to go public. It's there's no large companies like in the Valley. There's no Google and yeah. and Facebook or Salesforce who are buying up all these companies. So there's no aqua hires, and then there's no federal bankruptcy. There's well, no ability for these. There's companies. no federal bankruptcy. Because it's a, it's a federally illegal business, so you can't use bankruptcy protection to be able to, you know, hide assets. So 
what ha- so are just companies just going to start liquidating basically well we don't know uh, we we, mm. we we do think that there will be you know somewhat unnatural acts within the supply chain of cannabis you know specifically in California unnatural acts that sounds very um well, I mean, if you, if, if, you, if, you look, if you look at that, right, what, what are people's options to do? It's unnatural acts, meaning that in the, in the laws of economics, right, you, you would say, hey, an opportunity cost, I'll shut down my business and I'll yeah. go get a job somewhere else. But again, this, it's not a small tech firm where you just shut down, give your money back to the VC and say, hey, I'll go, I'll go to uh, Salesforce and spend four years there and go start up another startup. Yeah, yeah. It will be a painful, slow death for a lot of companies, we think. But you, you juxtapose that to demand's not going away. So for the consumer, there's a groundswell of people who have this mistrust of medical and doctors yeah. and artificial synthetic you know, you go in for a quick shoulder surgery and you come out with 50 Vicodin pills and you do whatever you can to take the minimal amount, but we're all trained to never throw them away in the toilet. So we keep them in the medicine cabinet and hope that Johnny, who's turning 15, doesn't get their hands on them. So there's a whole bunch of people that really want to take control over their own health and wellness. Hmm. And when they start to really research what those health and wellness options are, they're looking for plant-based solutions. That's not just in their medicinal you know, remedies. Yeah. That's in everything in their life, whether it's the, the diet and everything else. So from a consumer standpoint, demand's not going anywhere. It's this crazy time in the industry where the supply side of the industry is so underfunded. And as you said, the regulations are making it so hard for a lot of these cannabis companies and operators are really, really good companies and good people. It's so arduous to be able to do it in the state's increasing taxes versus decreasing taxes. Mm. And then you have demand going up. You know, we think 2020 for the cannabis industry is going to be a pretty tumultuous year. Again, on the on the regulation, actually just purchasing, how does it work then? Because basically you have to use your debit card or cash. Is that effectively it? And then I was also told that a lot of um, dispensaries basically act like um, cash machines. So if you are buy whatever, $57 worth of product, you'll say pay 60 and they'll give you three change and say there was a $60 withdrawal. Yeah, there's, (laughs) again, it's it's such a friction-filled consumer journey today Mm. to where it's even the language of cannabis, THC, CBD, one to three, three to one milligrams, potency. It's an inside baseball industry that's super hard for any consumer. And then when you go in to actually try to check and compare prices and to see what's in it and then you go okay cash and what are the there's a in san jose for instance there is a sales tax there san jose specific yeah there's well just like anything you buy there's a san jose there's a there's a sales tax yeah yeah. there's a san jose marijuana business tax and then there's a california excise tax so if a consumer spends a hundred dollars with us on cannabis that they're choosing for mainly pain sleep and anxiety yeah was that 35 ish percent of that is going to not us it's going to the to the government so well most people are using cannabis to live a better life and they're choosing to do so with with incomplete information and the the state at least is making it very difficult to have those people be empowered to choose plant-based solutions and so just on the marketing what is the plan who are you going for 
Yeah, we've we've thought so long and hard, and it would be awesome if we could yeah. say, "Hey, here's our, you know, here's our core key demographic, and and here's what we what looked like." And it's we're always amazed at the diversity of mm. consumers that utilize our products and, and why and how they do that. So we came up with this concept of of a perennial. And a perennial is more a of a perennial. Yeah. And I love it because it gives us flexibility to talk about a person's mindset. And it's really around uh, somebody who does have an active mindset towards life. But if you look at our, our marketing and who gets attracted to us, it's we are a brand that is it's fun. It's ambitious. It's all about possibilities. It's approachable. It's easy. It's inclusive. So we're not on the hey, we're the highest THC or, you know, most potency. I just want to get really big. Yeah, totally. And we're not on the, hey, we're the super value brand, and we're not on this aspirational luxury brand, hey, we're going to change your life. It's We are a no-judgment company, and we think integrating cannabis into your daily life without having to explain it is what, you know, utopia looks like for us. We would love for people to integrate the very natural Again, cannabis is a plant. It's an integrated can of plant that produces cannabinoids that we have mm-hmm. and, and no cannabinoid receptors in our body that naturally, you know, affect that. So, so however you microdose on a daily basis, whether you want more energy, whether you want less anxiety, whether you want to be able to go to sleep or relieve your pain, we're a brand that hopefully you're carrying everywhere without having to make a statement around what you're doing. You raised $75 million. We Last did. year. Correct. It's a lot of money. And you had Joe Montana, childhood hero of mine. Awesome. You played football, probably a hero of yours too Absolutely. back in the day. Carol Bartz is chairman. Correct. She also invested. Who else invested? We, oh, I saw Tom Chapman. He, uh, Tom, Brit. T- Tom Chapman did invest, and he's been, he's been great and gracious with the amount of marketing and kind of retail expertise. Can you just kind of walk through the process of like, okay, we're trying to raise a lot of money for an illegal business effectively. Sure. How does that work? Well, it first works by me going out to most of my VC contacts yeah. and having them laugh at me and say, hey, I, there's no way I can invest in you because I have covenants from my LPs that I can't invest in everything illegal. Right, so it right, was right, a right. Pre, you know, pretty big eye-opener pretty quickly that said, hey, regardless of the market It was just like a size, hard no from your Hard kind of, no. From, typical, from all the kind of typical people you would go to. Hard pass. Everybody. Right. So th- then you, you tell them the story about what you're, what you're trying to do. And, and we had had some small wins here and there before I got to Cleva. Cleva was named the number one dispensary store in America. And so that was a, um, you know, a good proof point. And then we started to bring on a couple you know, really good people. We brought on a, a CTO, a guy named Matt McLean, and you know, he, he was able to get us a couple advisors, and those advisors saw what we were doing, and they you know, introduced us to the teams that got us to Joe and to Carol. And Ron Conway, the SV Angel, the SV Angel was who introduced me to Joe. That, um, Montana. Joe Montana, yeah. Right. So, so that, that introduction... And, you know, understanding and learning about Joe's story around how passionate he was for his uh, fellow athletes and what he saw in terms of the use of Pain opioids. Relief. Yeah, versus, um, versus what the potential cannabis could do. is yeah. Lots of conviction there on, on both sides. So 
we were absolutely thrilled to bring him on as as an investor, and he's been you know extremely supportive. It's yeah. the amount of deal flow that he sees. You know, he's he's responsible for our latest technology that uploads somebody's ID and compares a, a selfie to their ID to confirm identity. That referral came from Joe, so it's right. uh, he's been an amazing help, and then. You know, Carol Bartz has been transformative for our company, for me personally, in terms of leading a company through a fast growth change. Um, she's been unbelievably generous with her time. And if you ever get 10 minutes with Carol, she's right to the point and she's yeah. a hard charger. But she's been uh, she's been really transformational for what we're doing, and I'm I'm so proud and happy to have her as our chairman of the board. So 75 million. Is that effectively from rich folks? In other words, not institutions, not VCs? Yeah, think about half and half. So so, um, half of the investment came from a small private equity firm in Canada, led by some of the most successful founders of, you know, the early Canadian, you Mm. know, cannabis companies. So a few of them got together and they made a large investment with us. Right. So you could think of it as half of that investment of, of friends, family, high net worth individuals, and then half of that from, um, from them. What's the story you're telling, though? I mean, how do, you, how do you get them over the hump? In other words, is there sure. an analog that you can say, okay, well, if you look at how X happened, this is where we are relative to that, and you can see the path toward this becoming an actual business that doesn't have 83 things in front of you just to kind of <laughs> move a product out the door. Yeah, I, I I think we we have always taken approaches a little different. That's that's actually highlighted the eighty three things that are in front of us. First, I think the very different thing is when you speak to an investor about cannabis, they're either all in or they're all out. In a traditional VC meeting, you spend half your time trying to educate and under and see if that partner is actually believes that your market's big enough, that it's viable, that there's that there's something there and, and there's room for a billion dollar company. In our case, it's really easy. It, it, it's a 30 second conversation around, do you believe that cannabis is gonna be a macro market and overtake alcohol, pharma, and, and any other recreational use? And do you believe in the medicinal qualities? And if they do, they have religion around it. Yeah. And if, yeah, they, yeah. if they don't, it's not even worth, it's, it's yeah. not even worth saying anything else. So that's, very easy in the conversation. And then once you find that, then you walk through and you say, okay, here's our thesis has always been the next great American consumer brand can absolutely come from cannabis. And the key component to that is, is not going after the people who are, you know, we'd call, you know, endemic intoxicants, but it's the, it's the new consumer who wants to replace that two glasses of Chardonnay with something that's way more natural and, and, and way better for them who wants to replace their pills with CBD and, and, right. they, and they want, you know, some CBD in their, in their cold brew coffee to be able to, you know, ba- balance that edge. So in those new consumers, what they require is trust. We walked through, you know, to all investors that said that the number one thing that we aspire to do is be the most trusted name in cannabis. If we earn that consumer trust, we think that's going to drive brand loyalty, that's going to drive word-of-mouth marketing. And the way we do that is off of three pillars, consistency of our products, transparency in terms of what we make and how we make it, and just accessibility, making sure the people that want our products yeah. have the ability to get it. I am fascinated by your partnership with Jay-Z. 
his official title is chief brand strategist. Chief, chief brand strategist, yes. Can you walk me through how that happens? You're a weed company in San Jose. Right. How do you end up bringing Jay-Z on? Like, what are the steps to get to there? How does that work? Yeah, well, we didn't find out till later um, of how his team found us. But we did a promotion with Ben & Jerry's on 420. And it was a partnership. <laughs> yeah, it was a partnership for Code of American. And Ben and & Jerry's, as you know, is, is so progressive in terms yeah, yeah. of their thinking and marketing. And so they were fantastic, partnered up with us. And uh, Code for America has a program called Clear My Record. And it mm-hmm. helps to do automated expungement of nonviolent cannabis records. So we thought, oh, okay. that, that, we thought there couldn't be a better organization yeah. to support. So we did that with Ben and Jerry's, raised a whole bunch of money for Code of America and, and, and clear my record on that. Jay-Z's team saw that um, within the, the Rock Nation team, had reached out to us and said, hey, we've been looking around for cannabis company to partner with are you interested in talking with us? And it's, you get an email like that and you think, okay, is this spam? Yeah, is yeah. this, you know, everything else? And then we had a joint connection and I, you know, called him and said, Hey, what's, what's the story behind these guys? And then a conversation with them, we had found that they had actually gone out and met with 20 other, you know, cannabis companies, his team right. and hadn't found a fit. And they'd been looking for a while and they were super knowledgeable up in the industry. Yeah. They blew us away and how knowledgeable they were. And then they walked through in terms of what they wanted to be able to do. And um, we had very similar visions around what cannabis could be in terms of that non-judgment yeah. capability and everybody being able to choose what that is, as well as the responsibility and accountability that a cannabis company had. For instance, in arrests, and there's no difference in cannabis usage between Caucasians and African-Americans, except African-Americans are arrested almost 4x it's like 3.73x more than whites it's ridiculous there's a still a big injustice you know around that and when we started talking about the different things that we could do together his team felt very comfortable in in terms of you know having him meet us and and when we when we met sean carter he was extremely thoughtful around um you know what the industry was and extremely thoughtful about what he wanted to do and we had passed on a whole bunch of other different, you know, type of opportunities. And Snoop is throwing us down. <laughs> you yeah, have every, to have everybody met Snoop. is right. Every uh, Snoop, <laughs> Snoop's doing it. Wiz Khalifa's doing it. You know, yeah. every everybody does that. But that. So just, did you go to New York to meet him, or did he come out to San Jose? Uh, we and meet went. You? We went to New York. Right. Yeah. And so that led to a an agreement where he came out as a as a brand strategist, and I think we're right on the cusp of of making some bigger announcements, you know, with him. And it's a it's a long-term, you know, brand ambassadorship with him, and we're so excited about what's to come. And it's it's right, you know, so close yeah. to being to being announced. But I can I can tell you, I've been I've been so impressed around um, just being witness as a very small portion of this to his creative genius and the thoughtfulness in terms of which and how you know, he's, you know, thinks about things. And, and yeah. so it's been a great partnership with us. And then his team is uh, phenomenal to work with. So we couldn't be happier about it. And we couldn't be. And more how excited. long has that been going on now? Uh, we announced in July yeah. of last year, we've been hard at work and uh, on a, a number of different things. And you'll, you'll see some announcements here in Q1 and, and Q2 on a, on a number of different items. And so, and I mean, he's, he's got his finger in a lot of different pies. How involved is he? How seriously does it take, okay, this is my name, I'm going to kind of take, put my hands around this and get involved, or is it just like, 
yeah, that's my the weed brand I like, and now you know it's kind of more kind of form than than actually something substantial. Yes, I mean, I mean, certainly anybody who has as much going on as as he has, you know, time is insanely yeah. valuable. He's been very generous with his time. Him and his team have been extremely involved, and and we get you know feedback a lot yeah. in terms of where and how we're we're going through things. So, you know, as a company, we've been so fortunate to have you know a Joe Montana be yeah. a athletic you know legend, Carol Bartz a a tech icon, Jay Z a you know a cultural genius. Yeah. Uh, we have Ryan Graves, who was the first yeah. CEO of Uber. We have Tom Chapman, who you know, sold matches fashion as a, you know, fashion luxury brand guy. So we've been incredibly humbled and, and um, you know, incredibly fortunate to have these people who mm. have, have seen what great looks like and, and the amount of passion that they have for helping us build the next great, you know, American consumer brand. But really bring cannabis to, you know, millions and millions of people is 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 something that charges us all up on a daily basis. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So how many shelves. locations are you guys in? So we um, we have four of our own stores yeah. and three different concepts, um, but we're in 250 different gotcha. stores up and down the state. Okay, you're growing this stuff yourself. Yeah, so we have one of the largest indoor grows in California. So on an annual basis, we grow think of 10,000 pounds of high quality indoor cannabis, right at, right across the street from San Jose State Spartan Stadium. What, what really? I yeah what I always what I always <laughs> like to talk about is the you know Silicon Valley for before there was Fairchild and yeah. and everything else it was called Valley of the Heart's Delight and and literally where our location is that used to be a prune orchard yeah and, and so when when you look at you know we're surrounded in Silicon Valley by all of this AI and and big data the the fact that right in the heart of Silicon Valley that we have one of the largest grows it's 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 really getting back to the roots but you know as I was talking about you're just about a before, simple farmer is what you're saying we are back a in the simple day. farmer back in the day and and people love people it's amazing to see people from tech come over to cannabis and then seeing the effect that it has on yeah. people it is something that I think is uh, is just incredible 
life and energy for, for all of us at Kaleva. And you mentioned earlier this idea that something like, you know, supplanting pharma and alcohol, tobacco, et cetera, is that the underlying conceit of all of this? Is that what the, the, the belief? People want to be able to manage their own health and wellness, and they want to do so with plant-based solutions. So when we spoke with, for instance, the leading pain researcher at Stanford University, Dr. David Yeomans, and we you know, you know asked him and got some advice from him around, hey, when and how do people need opioids? And he walked us through what a pain scale is and, and that says, hey, yeah. you know, uh, a 10, you need opioids. But when you're on the zero to eight, you don't. You and know. you can get cannabinoids that would actually light up those receptors and absolutely. deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And when you look at it... And it, he recognizes that. Because that's the other thing which I think is, is interesting is I don't know if... One, I don't know how caught up the science is to what people have been talking about, especially like enthusiasts, like this has helped me, whatever. I don't know if the science has caught up, and if it has, if people actually know that. It hasn't at all. It's yeah. completely underfunded. Yeah. It's completely under-researched. I think most medical professionals are insanely frustrated at that. There's a monopoly in the United States where anybody who receives a federal grant to study cannabis, which is really hard to do, they have to procure it from the University of Mississippi. And the University of Mississippi has the monopoly on being able to grow cannabis for anybody who wants to do any type of study. It's generally known as the worst weed on the face of the planet. It it generally is two two to four percent THC. What is that about? Why does the University of Mississippi, of all places, because uh, whoever was doing the lobbyists in Mississippi when, when politics uh, and got a writer in uh, in one of the uh, how the long has that been the case, back. or do you know? It's been in place ever since I'd say you know the the, the war on drugs for right you know thirty thirty something wow. years. They've now gone out to an RFP and they're trying to extend that a bit. But when, right. but when you look at the the inability for any researcher who wants to do something like understand cannabis CBD as it relates to epilepsy, yeah. the barriers to be able to do that and the quality of the cannabis, it's its so unfortunate. What you guys are doing and what a lot of people are, seem to be trying to do is basically you've got like weed sommeliers, like choosing and crafting these like these things that are designed, these strains are designed to do various things and they're very powerful, et cetera. And all they have to work with is this kind of dirt weed from Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. What, what we have at Cleva that's different is that we have so many direct-to-consumer transactions and data. We have a ton of data. Mm. So we've helped over a million consumers in our corporate time. and our, A million people. Even just, correct, in our, uh, in our dispensary in San Jose, a good day is 1,000 people a day. So, really? Correct. And so, wow. we're, so we're doing, you know, and we have four locations and we do yeah, deliveries. Yeah. So you're, you're looking at, you know, 2,500 plus consumer transactions daily. And what we have is data. And, and yeah. overwhelmingly, it doesn't change. Why are you choosing Caliva or why are you choosing cannabis? And, and that is pain, sleep, and anxiety. That's it. Is there, do you have any sense of how much of that is like, oh, yeah, I'm really anxious man <laughs> you know what i mean of just like oh i yeah. know i have uh friends who have the card of you know? course they're fine yeah but they dislike weed and we have zero zero issue with that and i'm, I'm sure it's the selection bias of the people yeah. who actually respond to those surveys are you know raising their hand and 
we have zero judgment in terms of how you yeah, can yeah. consume cannabis yeah. at all. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who do that. But it, but if you dig into that a little bit more and you say, why are you doing that? It's just like, why are you drinking the two glasses of wine? You're somewhat self-medicating for some yes. reason. Yes. And whether somebody's you know actually absolutely knows why they're doing it or not, the, uh, I would say back to the question around the, the medical research around it, anecdotally, we know the same thing doctors know, that cannabis has a very positive effect. You can't overdose on it. It's a naturally occurring compound that our body is, is meant to be able to take in. And then it's really a matter of how do you balance the microdose capability? How do you really develop a consistent product? And how do you do what a brand wants to do, which is provide a brand promise that says, we're going to do what we say we're going to do, yeah. which we can't today because the FDA, though it's federally illegal, you obviously can't make any claims. Otherwise, they, um, they step in pretty swiftly. Can you advertise? Very limited advertising. So if you're in San Francisco here, I'm sure there's dozens, dozens of billboards. Yeah. So, uh, analog still works. And part of that is because you can't give a dime to Google or Facebook. I was going to say, Instagram. you can't go on Instagram. No. So, so any Why? Uh, federally illegal business, they wouldn't support Same, right. anything. We've done a really good job at Kaliva is just word of mouth marketing. This is a highly complex consumer journey where... At the end of the day, a new consumer to cannabis, they want to talk to somebody. Yeah, like my mom, for example, she has she's had two hip replacements. She has arthritic knees. She is never, ever, I would say, going to use this. It's a drug to her. Give her 10 minutes with uh, with uh, Carol Bartz, and I guarantee you uh, <laughs> her mind <laughs> be changed. But, but in, in, in all seriousness, you're absolutely right. There is this stigma and concern yeah. around what this is and how high am I going to get until you have somebody who is a trusted export or a, a really trusted friend who says, this worked so much better than any other Bengay mm. that I use. You have yeah. lotions in there in your yeah. swag bag or wow, this works so much better, and I had no after effects um, on these tinctures that, that I used. So it, it is truly one of these areas where, um, because there is an unknown, because there's not enough information, yeah. it prevents people from trying it. But once you do, it's, it, it, it's meant for word-of-mouth marketing, right? Word-of-mouth marketing is all about, I found something new, I can't wait to share it. It worked really well. And I'm sharing it out, out of altruism because I think it's going to help somebody else. So what unlocks it? I mean, because obviously word of mouth, that just continues. But in the, you know, in the parlance of this place, it's not super scalable. <laughs> right. But, you know, just in terms of looking at it legally, because a lot of people both in Europe and around the United States are looking at the California experiment, seeing where this goes. Do you have any sense of like, you know, the federal government changing its tune. And how active is that space? Because obviously you have alcohol, tobacco. Sure. I don't know if they care about cannabis or if they're very concerned about it, but there's surely some forces marshaled against you beyond just the puritanical, this is a drug. Right. No. Well, there are. And, and if, you, if you just break down the stats, so there's, yeah. there's 11 states right now that recreationally, and I hate that word, but it's more adult use, but recreational legality is there. Yeah. 33 states allow for medicinal purposes. 
So you're looking at 44 states. Maybe go from split the country in the middle, and you go from North Dakota to Texas, and maybe that's the that's the group of states that 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 don't have any you know pro yeah. cannabis laws. It's kind of starting from the coast and working inward. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> and, and 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 when you go okay, 67 percent of the, from Pew Research of Americans support federal legality of cannabis, and you look at it and you say okay, over 50 percent of the arrests in the U.S. are drug-related. It's a massive issue that somebody needs to be able to pick up. But to your question around does does alcohol care, they absolutely care. Every study around the next generation coming out around the 21-year-olds to 28-year-olds, they're drinking a lot less. Really? Um, They're using cannabis a lot more. Who likes a hangover? I'm looking around. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so it, you know, it, it, if if you look at this, it, it's this notion of a more educated generation understanding what plant-based solutions do and, and how to be able to use that responsibly. They want to experience life and they want experiences. And 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 I think when you when you look at that choice, and alcohol consumption's going down, alcohol care, companies care about it. Pharma yeah. is different. Pharma yeah. has tons of synthetic marijuana patents except synthetic marijuana kills people because uh, mm. it you know gets your brain receptor everything right. else but you know that is a seven to ten year you know clinical study that yeah. they're so far out from that they don't care as much but they they, they certainly um, don't want the tobacco the cannabis companies so on the vaping crisis you have trump going out on the white house lawn talking about how this is in an Saying this is a this is a serious problem. You have the CDC yep. saying basically everybody stop. Right. What has that done to you and or the industry? Because a lot of it was around the the deaths were specifically around THC infused vapes, as far as I understand. Yeah, they they were. I mean, we we welcome any sunlight on the industry. We welcome any type of uh, push for transparency. We welcome yeah. more and more regulation. It's it's much better for us. It's better for the consumers. What you found in that, there was a specific additive vitamin E acetate yeah. that specifically illegal producers were using within their vape pens. So we saw a 7% shift of people choosing pre-rolls versus vape pens. Right. And again, that's more of an, I, I think a notion and a nod to say, Hey, a plant and true flower is, is, is probably more organic than, than vape and, and vaping. But overall it hasn't hurt what we did. What we did in, in the industry is a little bit different than what most people did. We actually went out and said, here's everything that we put into our vapes. Everybody else said, we don't put vitamin E acetate. We just we're open and said, this is what we put into it. Right. So, you know, we're constantly looking at how do you have the best, you know, ingredients out there and, and transparency around that. But I, I think it's it's mainly known that it's been illegal companies yeah. putting vitamin E And vitamin E acetate was, what was the purpose of it? Reduce cost. So if, oh, you, if you put okay. it in as a filler and it, it's, it, you keep the clear color of the I see. vape cartridge longer and you don't have to use as many other you know, cannabis-derived products. Got you. So it's, it was, think it's of filler. it as a per, filler and a preservative. Yeah. Got you. Exactly. Do you have a sense of what big tobacco's game plan is here? But just more broadly, it does feel like you're kind of very much trying to encroach on big tobacco's turf, who are already under siege for all very, very valid reasons. Sure. 
And they have a lot of money and a lot of power and a lot of friends in Washington. Right. You know, if, if you look at one one cigarette, right, there's like 360 carcinogens that yeah. are just in the filter alone in that. And you take one of our pre-rolls that's a toasty hemp-based filter and it's zero. We certainly don't specifically try to replace a tobacco, yeah. but I think when, in their standpoint, they see the trend around people are going to smoke less in cannabis. They, it has so many different ingestion methods. Uh, traditionally, it's been inhalable, um, yeah. and, but it goes into vape. And in one of our, you know, we just launched a product. Uh, it's a soul grind, a hemp-based CBD coffee. So the with nano emulsion technology to be able to have fast, you know, onset and offset. So when you when you look at these things, yeah. I think tobacco says, "Wow, there's there's really only one way to take in it." Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to drink tobacco. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. so I, I think what what they're seeing is uh, cannabis is a massive hedge. When you say the the use cases, form factors, the integration of cannabis into somebody's you know daily life. Right. Back to the earlier question of w- what breaks the dam. How does this become a mainstream thing? Is it the federal government or the CDC coming out and saying, you know what, people, this thing, this is okay? Yeah, it, it's a confluence of events. First and foremost, it's just consumer confidence. And that confidence needs to come not just from, even if the federal government today said, hey, you know what, we actually do believe that cannabis has medicinal benefits and here's the specs around what that is. You still actually have to go to a brand you trust a mm. service you trust, a store you trust. So one is that there has to be some type of, I would say, third-party, unbiased stance that comes out and says, yes, we've done some type of clinical-esque research around this, and we have proven yeah. that there's benefits. And then two, you have to have, I'd say, a supply system where there's somebody, whether, you know, a Starbucks, a Walmart, a, you know, a Costco, a McDonald's, yeah. a, a Tesla, an yeah. Apple, some type of company that comes out and says, every time I go into this store and the quality is and uh, what everybody talks, talks about it, I know I'm going to get that. And then third is you just need to make it convenient for the consumer. We're in a delivery economy. So it's if they get Grubhub, if they get Domino's, if they get Netflix, they, they don't want to go drive to a store, sp- park go see a security guard. They all have security guards. Yeah, of course. Why? It's regulations. You have to have a security yes. guard. Really? Bureau of Cannabis Control. Right. So the o- overhead to run cannabis, it's there's there's no no Cuz I've no always green wondered rush. that because I mean it's like, you know, if you w- walk past Gucci, the stuff in that store is m- worth more than what's in your store. But you don't have some beefy dude with a shaved head being like, you know, let me see your ID. Right, right. Regulations always, I think, aren't as advanced as they need to be. There's always this notion that it's a cash-based business and that there could there be nefarious people that actually like cannabis. And the reality is it's that, you know, senior citizen who wants to get off opioids and can't wait to go in there. The regulations make it as uncomfortable for her to be able to drive down park an industrial area and walk past a bouncer yeah and walk past a bouncer exactly and into a dark room and to be able to ask and 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 say hey yeah. i have arthritis hey, Sonny, what's this z cube <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the so, so the third part about it is it has to be convenient for the consumer they have to pay by credit cards they have to be able to get you know Kaliva on an on-demand subscription every month because they run out of their lotion every two weeks can't send it via usps i would imagine not legally no 
No. So we, we, we haven't done that. But th- those are the three things that we see, you know, some third party coming out to be so able to. So you can't advertise, you can't send it via the post, and you can't process credit card payments. But otherwise, everything is peachy. But that's why we love the industry. That's, that's why we're so excited about our opportunity moving forward because it's so difficult. Yeah, and you also can't cross state lines, obviously. Yeah, exactly. So, so we, are, we are very California-based. Yeah. California is 34% of the U.S. market. It's yep. bigger than Canada. And, and so when you look at the degree of difficulty of, of trying to maintain consistency of product, trying to do that the right way, and trying to make it accessible – it's extremely hard. It's capital intensive. Takes great people. Takes fortitude. It's it's like that Ernest Shackleton's you know journey. It's not for the faint of heart. Long yeah. hours, low pay, uh, but the, the glory is for a lifetime. And in you know all of us who have committed to Kaliva are are here to make an impact. What was Shackleton's? What was the name of his boat? I read the book. It's so amazing that story. Uh, the yeah, it, the endurance. That's right. We're we're all signed up and we're all in. It's a, it's a mission driven you know, amount of work and our stores are open, you know, seven days a week, you know, 364 days out of the year. And it's and a, you employ 600 people, 700, 700, 700, 300 are our drivers there every day who are full time or part time. They have, uh, right. they have benefits, they have wow. stock options. So are you making money? We, we're, we're growing. <laughs> So, so we're, we're well, still investing so, in the What's well, my point? Like, you know, going back to Shackleton, yeah. you know, at some point you're going to need more money. And to you, especially if 2020 is the kind of, after the green rush is the green crush, the green crash. <laughs> right. There will be a Bear Stearns moment in 2020 is my, is my prediction. In, in weed. Yes. Are you confident that you can, you can be the one of the survivors. In other words, that you'll be up to go out and to those same rich folks, or maybe get an institution involved and be like, "Hey, we are going to stick. We are going to be the one of the survivors. We're going to be the J.P. Morgan that comes out of the financial crisis bigger and better than ever." Yeah, I mean, obviously, we have the confidence that our strategy is continuing to work, and that's shown yeah. between the you know what consumers say about us. We have an incredible team of executives, and and all of us have you know raised capital before and worked yeah. at places where we understand that that capital drives the business. With that said, I think the the ability that we've we've invested into our vertical integration over the last four years allows us to control our supply, and to be mm. in the fact that we own our own stores, deliver to our own customers, and deliver to other stores. We control our demand chain too, so most other brands have to use third-party distributors. So because we have that control and we're only in one state, gives us the best ability to be able to control cost, quality, margins. So the investment in the business, we can move that up or we can move that down. Um, but I'm I'm very I'd say you know bullish in our ability to continue to raise the right capital, really at the right terms with the right partners, which is which is critical. But we're we're certainly looking at 2020 as an opportunity to just business fundamentals and 101, yeah. while still looking towards innovative products and innovative channels. In this interim period, before a lot of those barriers have gone away, because I do think ultimately they kind of have to. It does feel like it's the direction of travel. But in this meantime, do you have like somebody in your team who's like kind of like a black market specialist who can kind of move in these worlds that between the, the legal and the illegal and kind of stay on the right side of things but still get things done? Because it does feel like that's a skill that would be quite important right now. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And and we get that a lot around where's the black market. Um, Truthfully, the black market doesn't affect us that much. If everything went legal tomorrow, the people who went and sought, you know, the, the cheap and expensive flour that they wanted from their person that they knew who was a grower isn't going to come to Cleva anyway. We wouldn't capture really any of that black market. So, yeah. so we've always taken the approach that said many times at our just expense, but just said that we were going to have higher standards over compliance. So for instance, the state of California just implemented a track and trace system from a software system called Metric. Yep. And so we were one of the first per, uh, you know first companies to actually integrate in with Metric. And what that means is for a company that you have to completely rechange your business processes and tag everything and yeah. integrate into a system. And Metric never was designed for a company of our size to do 4,000 transactions a day. Yeah. Right. So we have a data science team that actually aggregates that. And, and because we can't do a an API endpoint into metric that we, you know, have to be able to, to go through some, you know, different data transfer systems. So we haven't been exposed and, and we'll never be exposed to the black market. We have an, we have an awesome compliance team that ensures that we're going above and beyond, but that's, what's made the difference back to your question around why investors felt confidence with us because we have audited financials and we have, People, our CFO came over from, he was the CFO at Coinbase, and our president ran Silicon Valley Bank uh, Analytics. And, and so we have a, you know, our head of retail came from Nike. So, so we have the, this executive team that has worked and built great businesses, and, and they know that right. we've been really good. You're a grown-up company, capital. in other words. Trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your worst day of work? Uh, the worst, I'd say the scariest day of work was the morning, um, where I think it was like January 3rd, 2018, if I have that right. And the attorney general at the time, Jeff, Jeff Sessions Sessions, pulled the Cole memo, which freaked all of our investors out at the time. What's the Cole memo? The Cole memo at the time was signed, which said, it was an agreement that said the federal government will not enforce or use oh, any right, type of resources right. to go after any state that is that is legal within the state. And then he said, basically, we're going after you. He Well, he said, I'm rescinding the Cole memo, which for a morning was, and we were, we were just kicking off our $75 million funding round, and we were just closing a couple key investors. And that morning, it was the phones ringing off the hook. Hey, I can't do it. Hey, I need to see what this is. And, and we looked around and and said, wow, it lasted like a morning, but that, that was probably the, the, the scariest, uh, the scariest time. Because it was like, "Mm, maybe this is all just going to fall apart. Yeah. On the flip side to that, the two days earlier, which was the January 1st when it went illegal. Oh yeah. I was in Newport beach with my family and I said, okay, I'm going to fly up um, just to support the team and everything else. And they've been excited about it. And we we're I've never thought that we were going to attract a whole bunch of different people. And, and uh, I started getting pictures about 6am when I got to the airport uh, Mm. and they said, it's going to be crazy. And there was a line down the street lining up well, for at us. your retail location at a retail location in San Jose. And then when we got there, the, the first person in line was a Vietnam vet and he was in a walker. 
I said, wow, this is a pretty long line, sir. When did you get here? He said, mm-hmm. last night. I said, that's amazing. When you got to the line or you got to San Jose last night? He goes, I slept in my car and I got here about seven. I drove from Fresno. And I said, well, what are you going to buy? And he said, I'm going to buy lotions. I said, for what? He said, for his knee. Mm-hmm. I said, you've never bought lotions before? And he said, it was illegal. He said, I'm a, I'm a vet. I never wanted to break the law. I don't want to break the law, right. So, so we have this video of somebody who crosses our you know, first day of legalization in the tape, and he's walking through in a walker that, that a vet drove however many hours yeah, it takes hours, from Fresno, yeah, yeah. slept in his car to go get lotion because he didn't want to, cause, cause he didn't want to break the law. That was a defining moment for us that just said, yeah. hey, we have a responsibility to really right. do this right. Ensure everybody, hopefully, it will be a uh, an amazing transformational company that will, uh, you know, be, be great the go- for the Google of weed and everything else. But yeah, you know, we're we're really, really, really passionate about building the next great American consumer brand, and we think that there is a massive opportunity for people to, again, on a ongoing daily microdose basis, integrate cannabis and cannabinoids into their daily lives, and that's what we're that's what we're trying to build. The way people drink coffee or tea or juice or whatever. Absolutely. Like we have, if your nightstand and your, you know, sink and then your, you know, fridge has, you know, Kaliva products in it, that's what we want. It's it's more right. of a, I'd say an OTC replacement versus a, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, versus a prescription uh, replacement. But it's, it's empowering people to choose their health and wellness. And just the time before legalization. Did you have retail locations open, or and were they only for medicinal use, or how was that working? Yeah, I mean, medicinal is a complete misnomer today, yeah. um, simply because there's no research around it. And, yeah. and it was exactly what you said. It, it took me 30 seconds to get my uh, card on a Skype, and you tell a doctor that you have anxiety. Uh, yeah, I'm really stressed, doctor. <laughs> Here's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Here's your prescription. Yeah, so there's a lot less regulations, but again, at the time, we always knew regulations would come in. So we, we always, even when we were self-regulating, thinking around what would, what would happen when it went, when it did go regulation. So we did have a store, we did have a wholesale business. Right, but right, right. It was really wild west back then. Again, yeah. back then it was the travel pro and the tenderloin knocking on doors, saying, "Hey, do you, here's here's what we grew at Kaliva." Right, and then the last thing, and this is kind of random, but. Um, We've written a fair amount about, you know, online you can get the algorithms send you to different places. Yep. And I don't know if that will have helped you because, you know, it helps people find their tribe for good, bad, or indifferent. Have you seen how that might have helped people kind of get comfortable with this as a legit part of their life? Yeah, 100%. So it's just going back to um, what does a consumer need to go from, like your mom's a perfect example, How does she get there? She gets there through education, through confidence, and then ultimately she just needs trust. Yeah. And she needs a trust and a recommendation. Sometimes those trusts and recommendations come from a single expert. Sometimes they just come from if you go to you know uh, Google or Yelp and you see yeah. Kaliva's reviews, we have, I don't know, 500-ish, you know, 4.9 out of 5 yeah, reviews. Yeah. And you say, okay, there can't be that many made-up reviews. So, yeah. so just the, the, the sheer notion of, a number of different people actually getting together and saying, "Hey, this is this is working for me." There's been fits and starts, I think, of tech out there, but but certainly, 
I think more and more people who understand and know and are able to talk about what their use cases are, it'll it'll further the cause. Yeah. Well, I wish you luck. Yeah, running, thanks running so much. This, this illegal business. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all the time we have. I hope you enjoyed it. I think Kaliva, for whatever it's worth, has its work cut out. I think all these weed companies do. I just, the leap from kind of illicit drug to the thing you have on your nightstand and drop in your coffee like, you know, a tablespoon of sugar, I think it's just, it's just a long way away. But happy to be disproven but we shall see i think they've got a they've got a tough road to hoe anyhow that is it i hope you enjoyed the conversation i will be writing in the sunday times this weekend so you can check that out at thetimes.co.uk you can find me on twitter at danny fortson and if you want email me danny.fortson f-o-r-t-s-o-n at sunday-times.co.uk have a great weekend and i'll see you next week 